morning. Welcome, those of you that are streaming with us on Facebook. Thanks for your patience this morning. This is this is new territory for for a lot of churches. A lot of us um, we're used to having faces. We're used to having um, kind of our setup and our, our sanctuaries and things like that. We we <laughs> we're not used to a lot of this um, kind of on the fly um, technology. It's beautiful though. I was thinking as I was driving up here how the uh, the airwaves and the band waves are going to be flooded today on YouTube and social media flooded with the with the with the gospel flooded with churches proclaiming and worshiping together I thought how beautiful it was um, so praise God for um, for this th these new advancements that enable us um, to be together we're so excited to be with you uh, this morning coming from the atrium here at 301 Harvard Drive there's a small crew of us um, that have worked hard to set this up I'm, I'm thankful for all these guys and, and the worship team and all the tech stuff we did have some bumps in the road uh, we're, we're learning this though and we're flexible you know so we're we're rolling with it um, before we get into the teaching, I just, I have three, I have, I have, I have uh, four children, three beautiful daughters. <coughs> One of them, my second, has a birthday today. Josie is, uh, she turned 11 years old. And if she were here and we were all gathered together, we would, of course, embarrass her and, um, and do all that kind of stuff to her. Um, so, but we just want to, I just want to say, Josie, happy birthday, sweetheart. Love you. I'm sorry you don't get to be with your friends, but we're gonna we're just gonna have an awesome birthday together anyway. All right, and you guys can give a shout out to, to Josie on comments if you would. So we are uh, we we're in the middle, honestly, friends. Uh, those of you that are that are not part of King Church, we're in the middle of a 28 day prayer and fasting campaign. 28 days of prayer. We we're rounding the corner. This is our third week. We're moving into our final week. Next Sunday is gonna be. The 28th day. Uh, this has been planned for some time. Obviously, we didn't we didn't know that we would be facing the kind of stuff that we're that we're facing now. Um, but was, obviously, the Spirit of God knew that, and He was calling us sort of to come together and to prepare um, and to learn to pray um, and to learn to fast for breakthrough. So we've been sort of examining some things um, in a series called the Door. What what doors can can be opened through prayer and fasting? And uh, in week one, we took a look at the store of God's presence, how, do, how prayer and fasting can open up a greater level of, of the presence of God in our life. And obviously, that's, that's the greatest door. If, if we have that door, we have everything else. You know what I'm saying? And if we, don't, if we don't make it through that one, then the others don't matter as much. So that was the first one. Last week, we took a look at uh, the door to deliverance and how prayer and fasting can break strongholds. Um, in the life of the believer, it can break off uh, oppression from others and spiritual oppression and, and um, besetting sin, uh, habitual sin, those kind of things. Um, this week, we're going to continue that uh, on part three uh, of the door, looking at the door to provision. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a wild week. Um, none of us sort of could, could foresee this happening, obviously, what's going on, uh, not just in your own community, but globally. I never thought I would experience so many of these things at once. I never thought I got gas today and it was a dollar, what, 57 um, a gallon. It was incredible. Never thought I would see that. I never thought I would see uh, the stock market do quite what it's done, falling thousands of points um, in one day. I never thought I would go into stores that sort of ordinarily would be full to the shelves of, of, of everything and just to see row after row uh, of just nothing, of just empty shelves and people just sort of grabbing one thing after the next. You know, I've been looking for five days for some bags of rice. <laughs> you know, never thought I, I never thought I would see that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's above all these things, though, I never thought I would see sort of the fear and the uncertainty um, circulating in so many of the people that I know and the people that I love and in news and in media. Uh, and, and, and again, not just, not just localized to a region, but worldwide, this, this idea of what's happening. Are we, are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? Is that a word, underreacting? <laughs> you know, are, are, is this, is this an indication of something bigger and, 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 and greater and, and more, um, more menacing to come? And how do we cope? How do we prepare for that? And, and as, as a pastor and as a leadership team, we, you know, we have a different perspective, and, and believers should have a different perspective, realizing that God is still sovereign. He's still in control of all of these things. You know, and how do, how do we as God's people respond? How do we respond to these kind of news reports? And one thing that, that I was reminded of 
yes, these are hard times, but I've, I've been reminded that God's people thrive during times of difficulty. That's, that's, that's not a new thing. It's, all, it's been the case all through human history is that when times are really difficult, um, when the pressure is on, that's when God's church tends to grow the most. And that's when God seems to do this incredible kind of work. So I want to just inject a little bit of optimism into this whole situation and say, listen, we don't necessarily know what's happening, but God does. And we know that, that he has a plan for his glory and for our good uh, to make some things happen. So um, I believe that our greatest days really are ahead as King's Church. And, and if you're just watching and you have a church home somewhere else, I believe that your, your greatest days are ahead as well. God is on the throne. He knows what he's doing. So let's knock on the door today, the third door, the door of provision, if we can. How do we unlock the resources of the kingdom through prayer and fasting? If you've never uh, experienced if you've never practiced fasting, if you've never entered into that spiritual discipline, I would encourage you, even this week, this is our last week, King's Church, we're moving into sort of these final days of 28 days of prayer. I want to encourage you, um, if you've not done it yet, start with us today. Start with us tomorrow. Let's, let's just pray and fast in the next seven days like we've never done it before. Meg talked, I think she mentioned uh, we're, we're, every day we're going to have just a few minutes. different church home, I want to invite you just to come and and to join with us. I know many other church movements around the world are are in the middle of prayer and fasting as well, so we're just, we're joining with that work as well. Um, Again, how do we unlock the resources of the kingdom through prayer and fasting? I want to kind of point to um, an incredible story in the Old Testament um, you, you've heard, maybe you've heard, if, you, if, you're, if you've read some of the Old Testament, if you've read some of your history, you'll know the name Elijah. Uh, Elijah was an incredible prophet. His story is amazing. I wish somebody would make a movie out of his story. I'm surprised no one has yet because it would be the most incredible movie or miniseries or something else because Elijah was just, he was so full of the presence and the power of God. And Elijah, like you and I, he lived in some difficult times, you know. He 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 lived um, with a lot a lot of uncertainty. He lived under um, leadership that was uh, less than godly, and Elijah also had a calling upon his life to to minister to people and to be ministers of God's covenant faithfulness. Um, so I want to look at his story. We're going to be in in First um, Kings chapter um, seventeen. And I think we're going to, if, we, if our technology is working, we may have the stuff up on the screen. But you're at home, grab your Bibles, get them out in front of you. Let your kids see you with the word open in front of you. We're going to be on 2 Kings chapter 17. And I want to read just a few verses of the, pre, uh, of the end of chapter 16 because it sets the stage. It talks about the kind, of, the kind of culture and the kind of spiritual climate that Elijah was living in. I th- I'm not sure if it's up there, but I'm going to read it anyway. This, is, this talks about this new king who's coming into uh, to, to the kingdom of Israel. His name is Ahab, profoundly wicked king. Let me read this to you um, in, in 1 Kings 16, beginning in verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. What a horrible indictment. What a profoundly terrible thing to have said about you in your life, that you did more evil than anyone else before you. Keeps on going. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. This is a, this is a Jewish king. This is, the ones that, this is God's chosen people, a king, of, a king of Israel now, not worshiping these foreign gods, this foreign god Baal. Verse 22, 32, he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all of the kings of Israel before him. This is not a good situation. If anything is inviting of God's judgment, this is it. So into this situation, there is a prophet that God raises up by the name of Elijah. 
And Elijah, you've, you've heard some of the stories. You've heard this incredible story about, you know, being on the top of Mount Carmel and confronting these bales and praying down the fire on the altar and, you know, on the run. But this is how our, introdu- our introduction to him. Uh, chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he goes to the king, and he has this prophetic word, this pronouncement of judgment, saying essentially for the next several years, ends up being three years, there's not going to be a drop of water upon the earth. Think about what that means. Obviously, if you're in an agrarian culture, no rain, no dew means what? No crops. No crops means no food. This is a, this is a, 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 a prophecy of famine to come against God's people. And Elijah is the one to carry that word to the king. Go to verse 2. And I want you to, I'm going to read sort of three little sections of, of what happens next, but I want you to pay attention to some common themes in these next sections. It may not be obvious, but I think you can see it. Let me read this. By the way, keep in mind that when Elijah pronounces this judgment, he himself is going to be included in this, right? You're going to notice that. You're going to notice that often whenever we have difficult things to say to a culture, whenever prophetic words to say to a culture, God says, look, you man of God, you woman of God, you're also going to walk this difficult road through it. And Elijah will be, um, the same will be true of him. So he says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. You will drink from the, from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So I want you to keep that in, in contrast to what we just read before. There's the promise of no rain. There's a promise of famine. There's a promise of difficult times ahead. Immediately, God says, I want you to go to this place. There's going to be water there for you. There will be food there for you. Let's keep on reading. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. You guys, I think about, this is the craziest thing ever. You know, we live out in, in South Jessamine County, and often we will look out in our, in our front pasture, our front field, and we'll see just blackbirds everywhere. You know, sometimes they're, um, I think, turkey vultures who have found the carcass to eat on. Sometimes they're blackbirds. Sometimes, I don't know what they are. The crows, ravens, blackbirds. You know, who knows what they are, but seem, and it just, the weirdest thing is to think about these birds flying up with like bits of food in their mouth and sort of dropping them all at this prophet's feet. He's in hiding now. He's, he's hiding out in some ravine. He's drinking from the brook and he wakes up in the morning. There's a pile of food that the birds have brought to him. This is amazing. So he drank from the brook. Let's keep on reading in this story. So that's, that's sort of the first snapshot that I want you to pay attention to. Here's the next one. Verse seven. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, just like he promised. So he was able to sort of drink from the brook while it was still going, but now the brook is dried up. So what does he do? The word of the Lord came to him again. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Leave the brook that source has dried up. Now go to this place, and there's someone there that will care for you. My words. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? So apparently there's a little bit of water left. You know, this is, I can just imagine that this well, you know, in these last weeks or months, this has been depleted. This is going down. You know, and it's interesting that God is going to use a widow to use someone who is, is less than able to really properly provide for herself and her family, as we're going to see in a moment. God is going to use her to meet, to, uh, to, to meet Elijah's needs. So he says that, um, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I can have a drink? Verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. And the brakes stopped, and the woman stopped and said, okay, buddy, hold it, <laughs> you know. She was going to get him water. I can spare a little water, but now you're asking for something. Now you're asking for food. And she says this, verse 12, As surely as the Lord your God lives, 
I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And then read this next line. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a dire situation. This is extreme poverty. I've never faced this. I doubt many of us have faced this kind of situation. But all she has left is a little bit. There's no hope of any more coming in. She has resolved in herself that this will be her last season on earth. She's going to have this. She's going to eat the, the rest of her bread. Obviously, there's, there's nothing more to be had anywhere else. They're in a time of famine. They're in a time of drought. There's nothing else to be had. She says, look, man of God, listen, I, no offense and all, but look, I've got a little bit left. I'm going to share it with my son, and then we're going to lay down. And then we're going to allow the Lord to take us on because we are at the point of starvation. And Elijah says this. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. How many times does God say that to us in situations? Don't be afraid. I think about that. I think about in, even in the New Testament in Jesus' ministry, how many times? It seems that every time God shows up to encounter someone, that's the first thing that he says is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Elijah said. Obviously, there's fear in her heart. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to, 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 to face this. I'm afraid to look at my son and know this is the last thing that we're going to eat together. I'm afraid to, to, to share what little bit I have with you, sir. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. He says, first, no, ma'am, listen to me. First, go home. Make something for me first, and then you're going to make something for you and your son. Trust me. Don't be afraid. And then he gives this prophetic word to encourage her. I love this. He's not just sort of convincing her out of his own, you know, hey, I'm really hungry, lady. Make me somebody. He, he hears from the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. There's a promise right there. She hears this promise. He gives it from the Lord. She now has a decision to make. Do I trust what God says? I have a choice to make. I've got a little bit of flour. I've got a little bit of oil. I'm not going to see the provision of God until I pour this out. Until my hands, which have a little bit in them, are emptied out, I'm not going to see them refilled. What do I do? What decision do I have? I've got to make a decision. Until that seed falls into the ground and dies, it's not going to bring back a harvest. And she makes this decision. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. She takes the bread, she takes the oil, she mixes it up, she puts it in the, in, the, in the oven, she puts it in the fire, she bakes it, she brings it back to this man of God. You know, she's been staring at this empty jar of flour, staring at this empty jar of oil, going, God, I hope he's right. Don't let me down in this. It says, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. Isn't that awesome? For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. That's the second thing. I want to read one more. Flip a couple chapters over to 19. This is after that famous, you know, contest on Mount Carmel. This is after the fire falls and consumes the, all, consumes the, the sacrifice. This is after Elijah confronts and then later slaughters these false prophets of Baal. And Elijah, he has his own personal weaknesses to deal with. And now he's like, okay, look, I just fought this big fight. Now Jezebel is threatening me. I'm on the run. i got to run for my life. I can't do this anymore, God. So look at what happens in, in, in chapter 19. Um, let's begin in 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Sound familiar? Right? He was just in the situation before with the widow of Zarephath. She was like, okay, my time is up. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to die. Now Elijah finds himself in that same situation, goes out by himself, leave me alone so I can die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Look at the next thing. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and 
eat. I can tell you what, I don't, I've never had an angel wake me up and tell me anything at all. But Elijah, an angel comes to Elijah and says those very words. Get up and eat. He looked around. It's like, what am I going to eat? There's nothing, to eat, nothing here, you know? There's nothing here. It's like, I, what, there's no food in the land. There's no water at all. So he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Interesting. Keeps on going. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for that journey is too much for you. This guy was in a bad place. He's in a bad situation. Verse 8, so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So I want you to notice something about those three stories. It may seem insignificant, but I was reading it, and I felt like the Spirit of God say, pay attention to this because there is something common in all three of these. In times of famine, in all three situations, God's provision came from something outside of Elijah. The first time it came through these natural means, you know. The first time it was, it was ravens and the brook that were coming. And he brings food to Elijah. The second time, God's provision came through the ministry of others. It came through this widow and her selflessness. And then the final time, it comes through these supernatural means with this angel coming up and showing up and giving him food. In each case, and this is, this is the point of this, I believe. In each case, God, not Elijah, was the initiator of provision. Don't miss that. Time of drought, time of famine, time of difficulty, a man of God in need. Each time, God himself was the initiator of the provision. And I think that what that means is that God is deeply intimately concerned about meeting Elijah's most basic needs. And I believe, I got to tell you, God doesn't change. I think the same is true for you and your family. I think the same is true for me. That God is deeply, intimately concerned with meeting your most basic needs. He has a heart for that. He wants to do that. Sometimes we think that God isn't aware. God doesn't care. You know, where is God when rent is due and I don't have any money? You know, where is God when, when my Social Security check hasn't showed up, right? Where is God when, when my medicine is gone and I can't afford to go to the doctor? I can't afford the pharmacy. Where does God care at all about these things? Does God, is the only thing God care about, is the only thing God cares about if I just go to church and like do all the big spiritual stuff? Does he care about simple things? I think the answer is yes, very much yes. I think that's the message all the way through Scripture is that God is deeply concerned with caring for his people. And I think here, here is sort of the, here's, here, here, I want to land on this. When Elijah occupies himself with God's agenda, God occupies himself with Elijah's needs. I didn't hear an amen. Oh, wait, this is Facebook. I can't hear it. <laughs> When, well, I'll say it again, when God occupies, when Elijah occupies himself, in other words, when he is driven and consumed, when his number one priority is the, the, the agenda of God, the glory of God, the, the kingdom of God, when he says, that is my ultimate thing, when, when Elijah says, that's my priority, God then occupies himself with meeting Elijah. It's, it's this incredible kingdom dynamic. It's the economics of the kingdom. When we stop caring about the things for ourselves, and we begin to, to, to sort of turn our hearts into what honors God, God then says, that's perfect. That's exactly where I want you to be. Now I then, says God, I then can turn my attention to meeting your basic fundamental human needs. You guys with me on this? Look at Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 6. It says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry. He's, Jesus is speaking to, he's speaking to his neighbors. He's speaking to his friends out on, uh, this is sort of in, in the, the teaching, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, you know, out there just teaching everybody. This is what the kingdom is like. You know, this is where the Beatitudes happen. Let me flip there. I want to read a little bit more than what's on my paper. So he's teaching them. He's giving them insight into what God is like and what the kingdom is like. Um, and he says this, uh, verse 25. 
Do, uh, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Boy, that's hard right there. That trips me up already, you know, because I do. You know, I, I do tend to worry about things like, what am I going to eat? What's my family going to eat? How am I going to pay for things? You know, how do I get clothes for my kids because they're growing? They won't stop growing. They won't stop growing out of stuff. You know, how do I pay for things? How do I pay for repairs on my car? How do I repair, pay for repairs on my house? How do I pay for school and this and all these kind of things? Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Look at the birds of the air. He says, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Church, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you and I of not infinitely more worth than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? Yet God cares for them. Skip to verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, have one agenda. Have one agenda. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Somebody say amen to that. Every day has its own full portion of trouble. We don't need to think about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got its own full portion. We've got today's to, to deal with. But God says, look, Direct your attention, direct your affection, make your agenda more than the details of your today-to-day life. Think about what, uh, what, what, what his agenda is. And God says, if you do that, God says, I then will make it my point to come and minister to your basic needs. So fasting, let me bring it back to, to where we are. How does fasting and prayer then unlock doors of provision well a little bit of a disclaimer fasting is not a spiritual mechanism to exploit his wealth fasting is not arm twisting of god to get something out of him it doesn't work that way god doesn't say oh they're fasting where's my where's my pocketbook i gotta pull it out i can't help it they're fasting i gotta just dole out things it's it's not a magic formula fasting is not meant to do that here's the point though Fasting is not a spiritual mechanism to exploit his wealth. It's a key to discover his heart. Because if you have his heart, then you have his hand as well. If you have the heart of God, then you get his hand thrown in. And that's what we need. We need the hand of God. I, I need the hand of God. I do. I could make a list of the things that I need in life, and all of these things are, so many things are outside of my, can I go and I, can I bag, buy a bag of rice? Of course, I can go buy a bag of rice. I can put gas on my car today, maybe not in five months, maybe not in six months, but I can't guarantee my own health. I can't prevent myself from getting sick. I can't prevent my children from getting sick. You know, I can't guarantee that the comfort and the stability of my life is going to stay that way because I don't have that kind of control. God does. So the question then is, is who meets my needs? Does God meet my needs or do, do I have to meet my needs? And look around the world right now. That's a fundamental question that people are asking. Who meets my needs? Who's going to take care of me and my own? You know, so when we, when we see people panicking and scrambling and fighting over things, that's an indication. This is a heart that says, I've got to meet my own needs. I've got to take care of myself. I can't trust you to do it. I can't trust you to do it. I can't tr- trust the government to do it. Certainly can't trust God up there. I've never seen him. He doesn't seem to be interested in me. I've got to take care of my own needs. But for the believer, for the one who is walking in covenant faithfulness with God, we say, no, I can't meet my own needs. I don't have the ability to. I'm not that strong. I'm not that smart. I'm not that powerful. I've got to trust that God is going to meet my own needs. And he does, and he can, and he will. And if we have his heart, we have his hand as well. That's what fasting does. Fasting unlocks it moves us deeper into the heart of God. And we see not only do we get his heart, we get his hand. So let me, what needs are you facing? We could articulate those. They're obvious. Maybe they're not. Maybe you've, some of these needs that you've got are private and you've not shared them. Maybe they're overwhelming you today. You know, maybe it's more than just, hey, I'm, I'm uncertain. Um, I, I know that many of you, your jobs are either halted or are being threatened. Some of you have not been to work in a number of days, and there's no sign of that getting any better. 
Some of you have seen your income immediately drop off. I know that's a reality. I know that's a reality where many of us are. Some of you have, have medical needs, and because of this backlog in the healthcare system, you're not able to get into the care that you need. Some of you have a need of supplies and food that maybe they're diminishing. Maybe you've got some, you know, some other thing that you just can't seem to find. It's hard to find. Toilet paper jokes aside, you know, there's a real threat that we can't get the things that we need in the times to come. We have a need of, you know, we think about loved ones being at an increased risk. How do we live life this way? How do we do this? Who's going to care for us? So I want to I give you five postures, five positions that we can take as God's people during this season. Um, and they're up here in front of you. First of all, and they all start with S. Isn't that good? You can remember them. Um, five postures, I believe, that as, as we're pressing into to pray and fast this, this week and this season, I want, to, um, I want to encourage us just to have, we want, we want to shift our perspective. We want to posture, position ourselves in the right way, seeking after God's heart and receiving his hand. So here's the first one is sync your will. In other words, align your will with his will. Align your desires, align your needs with his will. For example, this probably isn't the time to be spending your money on lottery tickets. I got to suggest maybe that's not the will of God for you. There's a difference between needs and wants. And sometimes the things that we think we want in our heart are not in alignment with God's will. So that's where it begins. First of all, as we say, God, I, I want, I want the, the, the ambitions of my heart to align with yours. I want the things that I am seeking after this week and in the weeks to come, Lord, I want them to be in keeping with your will as well. And if they're not, God, help us to align those. Help us to get those in sync with one another. Do the things that I want align with what God wants for me? Second one is this, stand, stand on his promises. You guys, you guys stand on his promise. There's so many of these. Um, I'm going to read you some, some promises about provision. This is actually, uh, Meg is going to post um, a, a link in the comment section here where you can download this PDF, 27 verses about provision. Print it out. Read through it every day. God's promises, they don't change. God's heart doesn't change. Every one of them is yes and amen. Every one of them is going to come to pass. Let me read you some of these. Philippians 4.19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say I'm going to supply just the big ones. He's going to supply every need we have. That's right. Um, Look at Psalm 81 says this, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Isn't that beautiful? God says, open it up, I'm going to fill it. Um, look at uh, Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's awesome. Here's another one. We just read this. Um, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous, righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, and... and Psalm 18, a lot of these are in Psalm. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. Church, do you believe that, that God knows what he's doing? God knows this, this is not a surprise to God. God is not caught. God's not watching the news. He's not counting cases. He's not looking at the charts. God's not concerned about this. He knows what's going on. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So there's more of these. Uh, Meg's going to post that there, and you can, uh, you can find and read these here. Stand on his promises. That's going to be life-changing in the seasons to come. Memorize these. Put them on sticky notes and post them up because this is what God has promised. We remember in times of famine, we remember what he said during times of feasting. We remember in the desert what he promised on the mountain. Third one is this. Steward what he's given you. Steward it well. Steward means to manage. It means to care for. And the idea is that what he's given us is not ours to do with whatever we want. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and Jesus talks a lot about this about managing what we've been given we have been entrusted with wealth we've been entrusted with resources and and 
and expected to manage it well. You, during this time of, of financial uncertainty, as you're praying and fasting for, for breakthrough in an area of provision, make sure that you're stewarding what you do have well. God will not trust you with more if we're unfaithful with the little that we have. And stewarding can, can mean saving, honestly. How can we set aside? How can we be, be stewards? It can mean uh, spending wisely, prayerfully. Ask God, what do you want me to spend this money on? What do you, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to, to invest in now? It can also mean giving, being generous. That's part of stewarding as well. Meg talked about tithing. That's, that's part of the call of stewardship. We're not asking you that you give double. We're not asking that you do anything more than what's just a normal part of the Christian stewardship in terms of tithing to your local church. So don't neglect to do that. Steward what he's given you. The fourth one is this, submit to his timing. This is the hard one. This is the one I don't like, you know. Wouldn't it be great if we knew that whenever we prayed and fasted for something that there was like, we, you know, we could expect within 48 hours we're going to get what we want. It doesn't work that way. We've got to submit to God's timing. And sometimes we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna pray and ask and we're going to get that blessing sort of right on time, so to speak. Take that blessing, make sure you turn it into praise. God, thank you for that. But sometimes we get a delay. We don't get the blessing, we get the delay. In other words, we're praying and we're asking, but things don't come through at the 11th hour. Things don't show up when we need them to. That's, that's a reality that we live in. We don't know why. I don't know why. God knows why. Turn that delay not into bitterness, not into doubt. Turn that delay into faith and says, okay, God is delaying for a reason. I don't know why it is, but he's got a reason for it. I want to keep on having faith. So submit to his timing. Finally, finally this, share his faithfulness with others. Share his faithfulness with others. In other words, record and give testimony. That, in, that encourages the body when you do that. It builds one another up. It builds me up to hear you share, give, 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 give um, witness to what, to what God has done. Um, I've got this here. Meg and I, we, we started this when we first got married, a little leather notebook here. It's got some blank pages in in some of our early years of marriage, we started writing down whenever God would provide something um, that we needed. And those were lean times, you know. You guys know what that's like. You're young and you're married and you're dirt poor and you don't know what else to do. And, you know, you don't have two nickels to rub together. We begin to write down some things in here, um, just small little indications of how he provided, you know. Um, even insignificant things. One time Meg needed some, I think, like mascara or eyeliner or something. We were going to an event, maybe a wedding or something. We really needed it. Didn't have the, sad to say, we didn't have the money for that at the time at all, you know. And uh, just prayed about it, asked God. And honestly, within a day, somebody said, hey, Megan, any chance you want this? And she hand, hand Megan this, you know, makeup eyeliner in just the right color. Just, I had this. I thought about you. Maybe you want, it was, just incre- it was a miracle to us. You know, how do they, they didn't know we needed it. We wrote it down in our book. You know, we get checks, something, we get some money in the mail out of nowhere. These $400 would show up in an envelope unmarked, and we'd say, praise God for that. We need it. We'd write it down in the book. And during those times of, later on, during times of prayer and asking, we would go back to this and say, look what God has done. Remind, we're reminding ourselves of how he provided in the past. The past is going to be a record of what he's going to do in the days to come. Uh, so George Mueller is a great story of that. I would encourage you to read his, read his, auto, his, 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 auto, his biography. Autobiography? Bi- one of those. You know, now's a great time to read stuff to your kids. Find it and read it. George Mueller was uh, this, this Christian living in England a couple hundred years ago, uh, running an orphanage. Didn't ask anybody for money. Didn't solicit funds. Didn't do capital campaigns. Did nothing else but pray and ask God to provide. And in his story, in his biography, he tells again and again and again this account of how he would gather all the, the orphan children together at the table. And there would be no food in the house. There would be no food at all in the kitchen. But they would set the table in faith, and they would gather their hands. There's no food to eat, no milk, no bread, nothing. They would gather the kids around the table, and they would begin to say, God, we pray, we thank you that you're going to, and not, would not even finish the prayer, and there's a knock on the door. This would happen again and again and again. George would go to the door, open it up, and it would be the baker. The baker says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm heading home. I've got this leftover bread. Could you guys use it? Again and again and again, God's showing up supernaturally to care for people, to care for his people. Share his faithfulness with others. It's encouraging to hear what God is going to do. 
So sink your will with his, stand on his promises, steward what he's given you, submit to his timing, share his faithfulness with others. If you have his heart, you have his hand as well, church. That's what, that's what 28 days of prayer is about. It's about seeking after the heart of God, because if we have his heart, we have everything else. I'm praying for you this week. We're wrapping this up here. We're going to move into some prayer time. Um, I'm, uh, Meg and I, we've been praying for you and your needs this week. Our pastors and leaders have been reaching out to, to the King's Church families to see what needs you have and how we can help. If you've got a, if you've got a need, please let us know. We want to carry that burden with you. Let us know. This is a great time. It doesn't seem that way, but this is an incredible time for our faith to go deep and for us to discover new levels of God's incredible provision. I'm excited, honestly, about the days to come. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but we're here, so I'm saying, God, do what you do best. I want to pray for us, and then um, I want to pray for some of these needs that are coming in um, on, some of the, on some of the Facebook comments. Ordinarily, if we're here at our church, we, we have ministry time to come down and we pray. here we're going to try to get it back up and going all right are we are we good with audio we're working well okay so we've got some prayer requests um i've got i've got a feed here i want to see if i can i want to try to scroll up and start at the top hey brian you want to come play a little bit would that be cool let's do that man let's do that while we're praying Thank you guys for your patience during this. I want to I just ask that we press in for a few minutes for, um, for the presence of the Lord. It's awesome what God wants to do. Um, as Meg said, this is our final week. We want, we want to see breakthrough. Next week, we're going to, give, to give testimony to what God has done in these last 28 days. If you've seen a breakthrough in your life, if you've seen God begin to open some doors, I want to know about it. We want to know about it. So let me know if you would. Um, email me, text me, and say, hey, I've seen this. I begin to pray, and I begin to see this happen um, over the last four weeks. We want to use that as part of our service next week. Okay. All right. Are you guys able to see the, the out here, my, our tech team, are you able to see the Facebook, the comment thread? I'm not able to scroll back far enough, so it's kind of getting stuck. You did? Okay, all right. We're going to see these that have come in. So there's some texts that have come in. Okay, um, uh, Jennifer, we're going to pray for, for Christopher right now. Okay, we love you. We love your kids. We believe that God's got... Um, a new season for him. So, Jesus, we just bless, bless the Neary family right now. We thank you, Lord, for Christopher. We thank you, Lord, that he's made in the image of God. He's a son of God. Father, we just pray for full healing for him, Lord Jesus. Pray you would deliver him. Bring him, Lord, into newness of life. Bring him, Lord, into wholeness and health and freedom. 
Father, I pray you just restore, Lord, that parts of him, Lord, that just need a touch from you. Just restore that right now, Lord God. We're stretching out our hands as if we're laying hands on him. We're proclaiming freedom over him, a release of oppression, Lord, over his life. We're proclaiming newness of life over him in Jesus' name. Lydia, we're going to pray for you as well, wisdom for your business. Father, we thank you for the Fuller family, Lord. What a beautiful family they are. Lord, working hard to build their business. Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray that you, and during this, uh, this downtime for, uh, for small businesses, Lord, I know there's many of them, Lord. Father, would you just uh, give them wisdom, give them creative ideas, Lord. Just bless their finances. I pray over all of those that are, that are small business owners today. Um, Father, that you would just begin to release, Lord, the, the, the storehouses of heaven. Begin to, to rain down, Lord, upon those that are just, um, are, 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 the ground's been cut off from underneath, Father. Father, just minister to Lydia, Lord. Minister to her family. Provide what they need. Father, we'd, and we're going to pray for Brian. Um, Brian Cruz, a, a dear one here in our, in our church family. Father, we just pray for the spinal disc healing, Lord, uh, and for Lisa, Father. We pray just healing over both Brian and Lisa. We thank you, Lord, that they are full, full of your presence, full of your spirit, full of your love. Thank you for how they minister, Lord, to this church and to this family. Father, just give healing, full healing. We speak healing over Brian and Lisa today and peace over Brian and Lisa today, Lord God. DJ, where are you? We're praying for your mom right now, man. I'm stretching out my hand. DJ's on the soundboard over here. Praying for Vicky who found out she has cancer. So Father, we just thank you for to just to, to go away and for these cells to be healthy again, Lord. During this incredible time of medical just uncertainty, would you do this miracle? Lord, bring glory to your name right now. Father, we pray for Sasha as well. We thank you for her, Lord, one of our pastors here of, of King's Church. Father, I pray you would just allow her to continue to minister, Lord, as she's there in her neighborhood with these beautiful boys underneath her in her house, Lord. It's a great chance to minister to neighbors. Father, let her be a witness. Give her power in her words. Give her power in her encouragement. Lord, bless this baby. Bless this little one is coming into the world very, very soon. Bless the Horning family, Lord. We just release more of your favor upon them, Lord. Provide everything that they need in the season to come. More grace, more love, more power, Lord Jesus. Um, pray for Dallas cousin Katie who needs healing over Corona. Father, we lift her up to you. Father, you are God over, um, over, over all things, Lord. You have power, Lord. The virus, it's, a, it's something created that is, that is, it's under your lordship. It's under your sovereign control, Lord. It has to bow the knee as well. So, Father, we pray healing. Pray you just restore, Lord. Bring her out of the place of the shadow of death, Lord God. Father, just minister to her right now. We pray also that that surrounding family would be protected. Uncle Jim is close to death. Father, again, just do miracles, Lord. We release miracles. We release supernatural favor, Lord God. Thank you for, for Amy Cotton, and Lord, it's just a um, good friend of mine, Lord, a dear friend of mine. I've known her for years and years. Father, I just thank you for, uh, for Mama June, unable to visit her, Lord. Would you just give healing, give presence, Lord. Minister to June, minister to her right now. Minister to her in that place, Lord God in the deep places, Lord, where uh, family and friends can't move in, would you move in? Would you move in? Would you be a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Lord? We pray for Gretchen's dad as well. We thank you for, um, for the Mullins family, Lord. We bless them right now. We bless them. We bless their work. We bless their finances. We bless their family. Father, we just lift up Gretchen's father to you. Lord, draw near to him, this one that you've created in your image, Lord God. For Della's, uh, Della's mom, Father, we lift her up to you as well, Lord. Would you just uh, bring her pain level down, just minister to her and touch her and move that. Uh, just bring her to a place of comfort and rest in you today, Lord Jesus. 
Father, we love you, Lord God. We love you. We thank you, Lord, that you, you're doing incredible things. You're doing, uh, you're doing what you do best. Is that when times are uncertain, God, is when you show your mighty hand, Lord. Your word says that the Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Father, we pray you would bear your, bear your mighty arm today. Show your power. Father, we just pray for a release, um, a release of strength over your church. Lord, this is our time to be the body of Christ out in the streets. Lord, you have scattered us out away from the walls. It's our time, Lord, to, to carry the power and the love of the kingdom with us wherever we go. Father, we pray you would just release miracles, release gifts of miracles upon your people. Especially pray for the gift of healing and the gifts of encouragement, those two gifts, Lord. As we carry these gifts with us, Lord, can we can minister to, uh, minister to the lost, minister to a broken world, minister to those who are uncertain. Father, give boldness to your church, Lord Jesus. Father, just thank you, Lord, for these other needs that are coming in, Lord. I may have missed some. Thank you, Lord, for Mike's, uh, Mike Hardy's praise. Thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. All right. Well, our... I think our time is kind of rounding up, you guys. It's 20 till. Thank you so much for your, your patience as we're doing some new things here. The, 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 the early on was a little bumpy, but it's okay. You know, we're going to be flexible and adaptable. And uh, next week, we're going we're gonna to work some of these kinks out and, and see if we can kind of be directly on the church page and not on mine. Of course, it's fine that we're on mine because I think more people could see it. So those of you that are following my feed that are that are not um, that you haven't liked King's Church, go to our. You can go ahead and like our King's Church page, follow our King's Church page, uh, so you can get updates about about what we're doing. Um, there's also a King's Church group um, that that you can connect with as well. And we're going to be doing some. We're going to be doing a lot more things online. Uh, if you're in the Tiverton, Tiverton Devonshire neighborhood, if you're our neighbors around here and you need something, you need assistance please let us help you. Go to kingschurch.net slash help. Um, and there's some practical ways that we're going to try to serve our neighbors um, in, in the days and the weeks to come. Love one another. Pray for one another. Press in. God's on the move. Amen. All right. We'll see you next week, if not before.